Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 43 for the week of March 18th, 2019. I'm Ben Smith, and today I'm joined by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. And our special guest, Noam Roth. Hey, Noam. Hello. Mike and I are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be wrapping up selection season by talking about the ones that got away. Welcome back, Noam. Hi, it's nice to be back. It's great to have you back. <laughs> well, thanks for, for inviting me again. Absolutely. Uh, so selection season is over. We have all 41 entries after last week's uh, release of Palooza. But Mike, so after all of our bracketing, we sort of left things in the hands of our listeners to decide who won our final showdown between Greece on my end and the Netherlands on yours. How did that turn out? So uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who voted. We weren't sure how this was going to work out, and it actually worked out pretty well. So very excited about that. And the winner by Almost a two-to-one margin uh, was the Netherlands. We do have a winner in that regard. And at last I checked, Netherlands was still the favorite to win overall. We'll see how that holds up uh, over the next couple of months. Staging, staging, that is the question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that we uh, wanted to uh, invite you back to the show, Noam... For longtime listeners of the show, uh, Noam was uh, with us in episode 24 when we were talking about Israel as a host country. And yeah, just kind of wanted to check back in and see how things are going in Tel Aviv. Most of the fans and people who um, follow the news probably know that uh, there was a big fiasco with the tickets. Ticket sales were stopped at one point and then they were resumed again. They're very expensive, a lot more expensive than in any other year. There are many reasons for that. But I think that there are still tickets available for rehearsals right now. And there is also going to be another wave of tickets happening in April. So I don't think we're going to get a longer notice than the one we got last time, which was on the day of the ticket yeah. sales. <laughs> so just be in full Beyonce mode is what exactly. you're saying. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, just uh, watch noted. the space. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, the city of Tel Aviv and a lot of businesses around town are planning to fill Eurovision Week with events that are Eurovision related. So people who do come to visit will not be disappointed. They'll have a great experience. And even if they don't have tickets for the show, I'm sure that they'll have a lot to do. Not just, you know, because the city of Tel Aviv is like full of sunshine and a beach and it's a great atmosphere and wonderful food, but also because Mm -hmm. there will just be so much to do. As far as I know, other than the Euro Club and the Euro Cafe, which will feature live shows of Eurovision alumni, there are going to be karaoke contests, dance clubs, drag shows, bear nights, I mean, you name it. Tel Aviv's been trying to make itself known as the gay mecca in the Middle East, and certainly Eurovision coming to town lends itself towards that end. Oh, that that makes a lot of sense. Isn't it also kind of getting tied in with Tel Aviv Pride? Did I misread that? Yeah, Tel Aviv Pride is happening uh, only a few weeks after Eurovision. I think okay. it will be happening sometime in June beginning of june if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. so that will also be a lot of fun but what what is going to happen is there is the longest night of the year so one night a year tel aviv hosts a festival during the night when all the businesses are open and all the galleries are open and there are a lot of events and that is going to happen on the wednesday between the semifinals. oh wow yeah so that is going to be very very exciting 
Yeah, that's that's a lot of activity in a very short amount of time. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So, are people really excited about this? Like, that's one of the things that I've always been curious about with like the host cities. It's just like how how the locals kind of treat Eurovision as an event. If, if it's front and center the whole time, or just kind of happening in the background, or like what what's the vibe? I had my um, I had like a beard cut last week in Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and the the person sitting next to me and having their haircut done they were talking to their friend on the phone they were saying you have got to sublet your apartment over Eurovision week you'll have rent money for 5 months if you do that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it seems like everyone it's like there's money to be had and everybody everybody wants a piece of it right but also like i said a lot of businesses are really they really want to give the visitors a, a good experience also oga israel is is planning on a huge euro cafe production and i really if you want to know more about that then you should go check out their um facebook and follow them on their instagram because from what they have told me they are planning to have the biggest euro cafe that euro fans have ever seen in the history of eurovision so i'm hoping okay. that it will be they, they will deliver as well awesome just thinking about like people subletting their apartments that reminds me of when boston was pursuing the olympics in 2024 and thankfully that didn't end up panning out but like people were talking about that then too just as a yeah you could totally it's totally a situation where you could do that yeah so it is it is on everyone's lips everybody's talking about it there's stuff on the news there there are items on the news every single week about eurovision coming whether we just wrapped up uh the the pre-selection season so there was a lot about that Obviously, Iceland is Iceland is making headlines. Um, people here are are all up in arms because they think that Iceland is gonna threaten to shame Israel or something. Um, mm. And Israelis love that sort of thing, so it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it, it's on everyone's lips. It's definitely mm-hmm. something that everyone's talking about all the time now that everybody all the artists have been selected uh, i'm sure that like everybody is starting to shoot their postcards yeah artists have been coming to israel for the past couple weeks now some friends of mine have bumped into some of them on the streets of tel aviv they've taken selfies with them it's it's we we kind of try to follow them around by their instagram posts to see where exactly in the country right yeah so that's 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 a lot of fun too sort of investigation work (laughs) being detectives I, i don't really know how to phrase this question like what level of celebrity would you say like those sort of encounters are like it seems like it would like they would be the level of celebrity where it's like very approachable but like not necessarily having extensive security i don't know yeah i don't think they have extensive security i mean the you know the the the, the random people on the street would not recognize them only right. you know right. uh, um very diehard fans would but for example serhat was here a couple of weeks ago and he had like a meeting with the the israeli fans of Eurovision. I think that Bilal Hassani, when he was here, he also had some sort of meeting with some local LGBT youth. 
Uh, so they're really, you know, they're the the artists are are making the most out of their visits here. Cool. So what we wanted to do for today's episode, since we kind of need to take a breather between selection season and getting into the nitty gritty of speculating on how all the entries are going to do. We thought it would be fun to just kind of take a look back at selection season and kind of pick out some songs that we either personally enjoyed or thought should have made it to Eurovision rather than what did end up going to Eurovision or, I don't know, honorable mentions, I guess. So yeah, yeah, just sort of a collection of the songs that got away and uh, should still be remembered, even if they're not going to be performing in Tel Aviv this year. Each of us picked two songs from the various national finals and uh, selections and going to talk about them, I guess. So Noam, why, why don't you go first? Okay, so the first song that I picked is Allez Lardier, a.k.a. Le Petit Nicolas, by Sylvain Arègue, uh, from the French national selection Destination Eurovision. Well, what I love about the song is that it is just so French, and I really miss that. Those are literally my notes for this. This one is so French. <laughs> also, the staging was very, very interesting. I remember I, I watched this with my partner. This was the first national selection that we watched this season. And we actually watched the the, the semifinal, the first semifinal. And, it, you know, just songs came up and they were all like, meh. Mm-hmm. Then this song came up and we were like, oh, wow. This, this is something. This is this reminds us of, you know, the Eurovision of yore, but also it has a very contemporary twist on it. And I just, I really wish that this had gone through. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of similar to my experience. We're watching it and uh, the first semifinal, like there just seemed to be some technical problems that I think were affecting a, a number of the performances. And like, as this one was going on, it's like, wow, this is this is Trey French, but uh, but by the end of the performance, it was like super, super French, a little difficult to, but I think it's like my first or second favorite of the field so far. So, and yeah, that's, that stuck through in the final as well, where it's like, uh, it seemed like they had a lot of fun. It was a really cool concept, as you were saying, for the stage performance. And yeah, I think that would have been a fun one to see on the main Eurovision stage, particularly if they kept the same sort of like really compact visual of it. Yeah, and my notes for this song are the exact same, which is this is so French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's so French. So I liked seeing the, the staging the first time around. The I, I don't know if they had... Well, they probably had to make changes because they had to change the song title as well. <laughs> like I liked the black and white version of the visuals more than the color version. Mm. And the staging f- reminded me of a couple different music videos that Michel Gondry has done. Yes. W- with with forced perspective and sort of playing with that. But yeah, this one would be an interesting one, I think, had it gone to the main stage to see how if they if they kept that, if they if they tried to tweak that a little bit. What I thought is that the the the, the reason that the second one was was in color is because they colored it in. So they were actually telling a story from the semifinal to the final. Mm. And I thought well, obviously they couldn't do that at Eurovision because it's France and they go straight to the final. But 
you know, it's it's. I, I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a tricky one to sing along with because man, there's 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 a lot of vocabulary going on in there. But yeah, it, it's it's still catchy, and yeah, it was it was nice to revisit this one again. Agreed. Okay, so the first entry that I brought to the table is from Denmark's national selection. This one made it to the gold final. This is Sigmund's "Say My Name." No remedies to silence my voice. I will unlock and hold my hands up to the stars, and I'll say my name. Say it, say it, say it, say my name. The thing I liked about this one is one of my favorite albums from last year was Years and Years' Palo Santo. And this felt like it was cramming about three different songs from that, throwing them in a blender and finding a way to, to make that work. Like, there's a lot of movement in the song. Like, there's de- there's distinct movements where it feels, again, a little bit three songs at once. Mm-hmm. And the, the staging of this kind of had, like, a weird kind of sci-fi thing going on that I appreciated, even though if it did look like everybody's costumes were made of curtains. Yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, like I like this one. I, I thought it was doing something different, but still very kind of pop in 2019. I know. What'd you guys think? Um, I think you nailed it on the head when you said the staging because that's what grabbed me uh, with this song. I don't I I, did, I don't particularly remember the song itself, but I do remember the staging. It was very I don't know. I was glued to the screen because it was so interesting. It was so not similar to, to, to things that we've seen before. And it was just so good for Eurovision. Eurovision is not just a song contest. It's a Eurovision song contest. The staging is very important. It's, it's, I would say that it's what makes the song. I liked it. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the song is a bop which is mm-hmm. always welcome. And yes. yeah, and it also just seemed kind of out of place with the rest of the field this year in Denmark. But I think, but I mean that in like a good way where it's just like, it stood out because it's like, oh, this is actually eye-catching and kind of forces you to pay attention. And there was a sense of fun about it, which yes. was kind of missing in the Danish final. Like every, everybody was just like very, again, like we've been saying with a lot of the Nordic nations, just like, yeah, read the room. <laughs> I'm glad it made it to the super final. I can kind of understand why it didn't end up going all the way because there were there was still some roughness around the edges that uh, yeah maybe a couple more rehearsals might have been able to uh, get that smoothed out. But yeah, no, yeah, I don't of, think of it really three... had a, it didn't stand a chance. No. Yeah, yeah, like the the other two entries in the super final felt a little bit more polished, felt a little bit more ready to go. I was, I was very happy that this one snuck into the gold final. I was thinking it wouldn't. That was like a little bit too out there compared to, compared to everything else in their field. So mm-hmm. just getting to the final was was enough for me with this one. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'll see Sigmund at a future national selection. Exactly. Like, yeah. I would love that. Yeah, me too. All right. So my first pick comes from Romania. And I think... In the episode where we talked about the Romanian national selection and all the drama that happened there, I said that Romania was really spoiled for choice. And the song that I picked uh, for this list was Leticia Moisescu and Sensible Balkans' Dana. It is a very ethnic sound and not necessarily contemporary, but 
there's lots of cool stuff that's happening with this song. Like, first of all, there's a guy with the, like, saxophone, guitar, iPad contraption instrument that I was just fascinated by every time that he was on screen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it also, like, has sort of the national identity that has been kind of a theme across the selections that have been made this year. It would have been cool if Romania kind of latched onto that as well. But the song also reminds me a lot of Bjork's I Miss You, just in that there's this buildup and this kind of tension building, and it's all in the instrumentation. And then you just get to this point where everybody just starts rocking out. And yeah, that's what I really appreciate about this entry. Ultimately, I think Romania chose correctly. Like, I, I'm really growing to love Esther Peony's song, but this was a nice song to be exposed to, in my opinion. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Um, so I will start. And so my, my main note with this, again, watching the video was Mike picks this because of the saxophone keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Called it. <laughs> yep. I, I nailed it. I was just very happy. So, this reminded me of Romania's entry from, I think, 2011, Xylele, except it's not quite as fresh as that mm. was. Like, that found a way to mix sort of folk instrumentation with pop. This one this one feels like what Moldova was sending in, like, 2009. Okay. Where we're very much tied to national tradition, which is awesome, but I can also see why it didn't place it, because I think Romania is particularly mad that they didn't make it to the final last year for the first time in forever. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really hungry to get back there. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. It's funny because I have Moldova. Hora di Moldova is what that's, I have. That's the exact reference. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I have in my notes. And this is an Eastern European wedding song. This is exactly what worked for Moldova last year and the year before that. And I would have loved to have this in Tel Aviv. It's it's great fun. It's great energy. It's It has an ethnic feel to it. I do agree that I, I think Romania did make the right choice in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that this is probably the Romania pavilion at Epcot Center, but <laughs> I, I think I'm on record saying that I love Moldovan wedding pop. And I, I think, yeah, yeah, I think like, we're both on, on record <laughs> saying that it, multiple times. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, like, no, Horrid in Moldova was like my exact reference point for hearing this song. That and Xylele. Yep. All right. Noam, what's your second selection? So my second selection is, I don't think I'm going to have a lot of agreement with, with a lot of fans here, but here it goes. So my second selection, I chose from Dora, the Croatian national final this year, In the Shadows by Mantra. So they finished fourth overall, and I was so pleased that they finished high because I want more rock and more metal at Eurovision. Last year, the Hungarian song was my favorite. I am still waiting for Leandro Kills to win a doll someday. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and out of all the creation songs, this was so fresh. It was so different. And Mantra is an established band. They've been around for quite a while. They for sure would have known what to do with the stage. I think that 
out of all the songs in the Croatian National Final this year, this one looked the most like a Eurovision entry in terms of how it played out on stage. It was a wonderful staging. It was a great song. I I just I love me some electric guitars. I want more of them. Mm. Yeah, so with Croatia, that was one of the Super Saturdays, I think, and uh, I, I wasn't able to watch the Croatian final. So in, in prepping for this episode and uh, listening to this track, it made me realize, like, oh, there's not really a rock presence at this year's contest. I mean, like, even Hatari's not really scratching that itch. Yeah. Like, that that's just, like, a different, a different area of rock and not just, like, uh, sort of going more towards the metal side of things. But mm-hmm. yeah, like... Th- I'm totally on board with this entry, and I think Croatia did pick a Eurovision entry, but that's like Eurovision in air quotes, rather than it being like, oh, a successful entry at the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, they went. They they were safe. They picked a mm-hmm. safe choice, and you do not win Eurovision with safe. Nope. the The reference that came to mind for me in listening to this was System of a Down, mm. which. This is the sort of rock and metal that tends to rub me the wrong way. So this song was not really my thing. But on the other hand, I really enjoy the thought of its presence in the contest as just sort of a, a palate cleanser, as part of, as sort of a something different from all of the pop. And I completely agree that we don't really have a big rock foothold this year. Listening to this made me kind of sit down and think, okay, so why does this not work for me? But something like Hatari, which feels maybe not in the same vein, but sort of like a cousin to it, mm-hmm. does. I think it's the pyrotechnics, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like, Hatari's gonna, Hatari's gonna bring the fire. I think they said in an interview that, yes, there will still be more fire uh, in their Eurovision performance. But that was one of the cool things about AWS last year, where they used all the pyrotechnics plus some they brought from home. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that was just an amazing performance to watch, both live and on TV. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't think there's gonna be anything that for lack of a better word, explosive happening on stage. Mm-hmm. At least nothing that immediately jumps to mind. Yeah. Ben, what's your second choice? So my second choice, and in sort of reviewing like the field of these as we prep for the show, realize that this is sort of a... I, I really wish that this had gone through instead of what did go through. So Estonia, Uku Saviste is Pretty Little Liar. We can take it higher Reach into the peaks of love It feels very similar to what they sent, but has, I think, a little bit more personality to it, at least in the larger field. Because mm-hmm. it, it's like the same setup. It is a, a male singer wearing a leather jacket. It's about sort of a rough relationship. But like, it just has, like, the, the staging felt a little bit more interesting to me. The song felt a little bit more interesting to me. I don't know. Like, what, do you, what did you guys take away from this one? In my notes, it says more of the same. Because it does sound a lot like the the song that did that did go to Eurovision from Estonia, uh, but I think that the song that they chose is just it's more familiar. It has a more familiar sound to it, and that's part of the reason why they chose. I think Estonia went with mm-hmm. a safe choice as well, mm-hmm. um, but I think that this would have been a safe choice too. I don't think it would have been that much different than the one that ended up winning 
SD model. It's a little bit, yeah. Uh, Pretty Little Liar is a little bit rougher around the edges, but they're still kind of in the same the same headspace. I agree that this one had interesting staging. Like I like I like the fact that he's kind of in the background for the first part of it uh, before being like center stage, uh, which is just kind of unusual for Eurovision. But I, I believe the Dream Team was involved in the production or the post production uh, of this track. So and you can definitely kind of hear that in the song. But yeah, like Estonia kind of disappointed me this year. Honestly, like I, I thought that their semifinal fields were very interesting, but the less interesting entries were the ones that ended up advancing to the final. And I think by the time that they got down to 12, they didn't really have a lot of options for what they could send that wouldn't be kind of same old, same old. Even though it is kind of same old, same old, this would have been a better choice in the long run. I don't know. Estonia is still figuring stuff out, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My second entry goes all the way back to January, where Czech Republic was doing their online selection, and my choice was Barbara Machawa's True Colors. I still legitimately think that this could have won. I remember Eurovision you guys talking about that, listening to your to your uh, podcast from back from way back then. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you were talking about this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like I'm I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this is just like really kind of like opened an old wound. You'd be like, I still love this song. Yeah, and, let's see, you, and like you pick this one. I know, especially with the Netherlands. It, in the favorite position right now like i i think this song would have been a competitor with netherlands in terms of its style in terms of its like kind of stripped down production i mean there's still production behind it but it's not as i mean it's mostly in an acoustic space and like i just love the vocal on this and i i think it just tells a very straightforward story lake malawi's fine i'm coming around to them despite the making love line in their song which still makes me gag every time i hear it but uh but how do you think would they stage this because that's the biggest question on my end like i i don't know how they would stage this watching the video you get bored with it pretty quickly what I ended up doing was closing my eyes and enjoying the song because it is a beautiful song. The lyrics are beautiful and her voice is soft and, and, and nice. She reminds me a lot of Lana Del Rey. Um, mm-hmm. but, yep, that, but, was, yeah, that was my sonic. <laughs> yeah, but how would they stage this? I really have no idea. Uh, so yeah. I, have an, I have an idea on that. And in, in prepping and re-listening to the song, I found it was listed as an acoustic version. And it's like her with a couple string players. And it was released around the same time as like all the other videos. So why they didn't just do that with all the entries is give them that space. Uh, oh, instead of the Airbnb? Yeah, where instead of like, here, we, yeah, we rented this Airbnb, <laughs> you have 30 minutes, go. Hearing it in that setting, like, I could totally see her behind a piano, behind a keyboard, and them staging it that way. Doing kind of like a quiet, like a quieter staging, but really being able to play into the song. Yeah, although, like, you know that it probably would have ended up being staging of, like, her in a, like, beautiful gown, standing center stage in a spotlight, maybe a disco ball so that there's, mm-hmm. like, light moving around on the stage. And, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, 
I, I agree that staging probably would have been its downfall, but I mean, it could have been Blanche had very simple staging. And it, I think if it were something along those lines, it could have worked. That and, is so true. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying about it being like a Eurovision contest, I, I, I do get that point that this might not have been the most visually appealing performance. Uh, and just thinking about the acoustic version, one other thing I noticed is that it was about a minute longer than like the the official version. Instead of the three minutes, it was a four minute version. Mm-hmm. And maybe that song just needed some more room to breathe. Yep. Some Eurovision songs are like that. Some are mm-hmm. chosen in national finals, which are like four and a half minutes long, and then they have to cut it down. And it's just a different song and it's it no longer works. Yeah. I mean, that's what's happened to Italy and France several times in the last uh, few years and albania so. of course mm-hmm. yeah <sighs> well this was a fun one to end on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what could have been yeah well now we would never know <laughs> yeah we yeah exactly we we have no way of knowing yeah so noam do you have any predictions about how this year is going to play out or uh, any favorites that you want to throw throw your support behind before I heard the Russian song, I was I was sure that Russia was going to win this year, and then I heard the Russian songs, and I don't think that anymore. <laughs> oh man, I feel like that's been everyone's response. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I feel like Azerbaijan has been flying under everyone's radar. I think mm. it's it's a it's it's a solid song. There are some big names, Eurovision powerhouses. Uh, behind this song, uh, the artist is well established. He is very good looking, and mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing that is go- that that I feel is going against Azerbaijan this year is that there are so many solo male vocalists that you know he's easily going to be confused with someone else. That's the only thing that that might hinder him. But other than that, he is my favorite, and he is my prediction to win this year. Ooh. Okay. So possible return to Baku. That could be... That would be a surprise. And actually, (laughs) that is kind of one of the (laughs) predictions that I've been sort of wrestling with, where it kind of feels like this year is going to play out a little bit like 2011, where like there's no clear favorite. It's just going to get points like just spread very thinly uh, across the whole board and yeah azerbaijan just like sneaks in with the win which could be fun so (laughs) yeah that would be a direct replay of 2011 yeah that's gonna do it for this episode of the euro what thanks for listening the euro what podcast is hosted by ben smith that's me and mike mccomb that's me special thanks to our guest this week noam roth noam where can folks find you online well you can find me on facebook but i also have a youtube channel called euro freak uh, you have to uh, know Hebrew in order to watch my videos, but I'm sure even if you don't, they are very theatrical, and I talk a lot about the Eurovision, so you are more than welcome to follow me on YouTube and subscribe to Eurofreak. Excellent. You can find us on the web at eurowhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eurowhat. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the Euro What on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us. 
Word of mouth is still the best way to get folks to listen, so please be sure to tell your friends about the Eurowet podcast. We'll be back next week to try and make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 